Hello, this is John Vanderveld, the executive pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church, and you are listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, February 5th, 2023. Hi, everyone. I am Simone Halpin, executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady. I serve as senior pastor at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. Hey, good morning, everybody. How How are we doing? We are holding it together with... Bubble gum and shoestring this morning. <laughs> the listeners should see Matt is out. He's about. He's not with us. So Sir Mix-a-Lot, John Vanderveld is laying down Johnny the track. <laughs> he's sitting behind we're, this board, trying, hard. trying to figure out what all the dials do. So, so if you can't hear us, or it might be a <laughs> really short pad, podcast. There's yeah. There's a chance you know quality is a little bit less today, but. Fingers crossed, because there are some good questions. Lots to talk about. Lot to talk about. John, the first question's for you. It is? It <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead and read it. <laughs> Pastor John, I feel like the people of PCC have been all in and, quote, on mission, doing whatever it takes these last 30 years. Do you think that is the case? Or is there something that needs to change? And I, I listened to your sermon yesterday. Yeah. I, I assume they're referencing, those are your points, Yeah, that we need to be all in on mission, do whatever it takes. So um, I'm sure like any church, there's been seasons of really on mission and seasons of not being on mission. Yeah, good seasons and bad. And um, I think that we all need that encouragement and that reminder, no matter how on mission you think you may, you be. may, you may or may not be. Um, I, I would think that over the last few years, the financial troubles that PCC has faced have caused a lot of stress and strain and um, have p- perhaps made them even question, you know, what is our mission here? What mm. are we doing? Are we just paying a mortgage and kind of walking through day by day or, or are we reaching people? What are we going after? So the hope on Sunday was that as we talked about I mean, the theme of Together for the Gospel is we're watching Paul or reading Paul and and watching him go on mission. You know, what does that mean for us today? What does it mean to be all in? And um, I think it's a fresh start, a new day at Poplar Creek and and here at 501 Hillside. Absolutely. Um, Whenever, you know, ministry changes and you get new opportunities, it's it's another opportunity to kind of I do a check of saying, hey, what, where are we at? What are we going after? Are we on mission here? And what is that mission? Assess we... priorities. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think um, the people of PCC were on mission. And, and as you point out, sometimes we're more on mission than others, individually and congregationally. So some days are better than others. Uh, but And I also think there needs to be some change at Poplar Creek, and things are already changing. I think of the hundred and... Uh, I think it was $9,000 they raised to help pay yeah. off the mortgage. Amazing. Um, it was the first time they had really exercised the muscle, the financial, let's let's make a dent muscle yeah. in, in years and years and years, decades. So um, that muscle atrophies quickly. And so I was hugely encouraged and I and felt like that that was a, a retooling of sorts or a, a getting back on. Uh, mission and making the, the the main thing the main thing. Let's let's address these issues that are holding us back from reaching people. So, what are, <clears throat> excuse me. What are some um, things you do at either campus now that you would say help kind of hold checks and balances to to assess 
whether you're not yeah. you're on mission or not so that you don't find out after the fact we missed that how would you describe that yeah i think one of the things that we try to do and we we have seasons of that we do do this better and seasons that we don't um but the collaboration amongst the team on um certain initiatives or events or programs um when the team is collaborating you you kind of have these this check and balance you know somebody says hey i want to do a you know a go-kart race in the parking lot and you're like what what does that have to do with anything you know people that are inventing in a silo and implementing in a silo without any input without any collaboration it's easy to drift yeah I think that's honestly, I think that's a big part of why Paul always had companions with him. Mm-hmm. One was for safety. Two is for, you know, accountability mm-hmm. in his life, I'm sure. But three is, I think, you know, you have this check and balance with the team. It's like, hey, the Holy Spirit's telling us we should do this or do this. Mm-hmm. You've got this collaborative group, more voices in the, more cooks in the kitchen saying, I don't know if that's right. I don't mm-hmm. think we should do that. Or mm-hmm. how is that on mission? Explain it to me. Yeah. You know, so. it's good. I think as a church, we have an elder board, too, that, uh, that's involved. So as we talk about, hey, we want to do this, or we're going to do this, or we want to hire this person, or we want to try this, or whatever, that board is a great check to say, hey, that doesn't feel on mission. That doesn't feel where, we're he- or yeah. where we've traditionally been heading, or where we feel like God is, has us to go. Mm-hmm. I love, John, that you bring up that there needs to be a community survey like we need to be working with each other listening to each other to assess are we on mission yeah um i also you know simone it's a great question we watch the numbers closely Mm -hmm. and when i say numbers the numbers that come to mind actually are um are numbers like um uh, membership Mm -hmm. Uh, are people being added and um giving and attendance, and small group participation, women's Bible study participation, men's Bible study participation, um, mission trip participation. So in the suburbs, in our setting, some of the big idols are our time. And so if, if participation's on the increase, that's great. It, it shows that we're prioritizing time um, with the people of God and for the people of God, uh, money's the same way. We want to watch closely that that um, our hearts are investing financially, uh, that we're investing where our hearts are. So watch the numbers. Numbers say something. They don't say everything, but they do say something. Um, at Poplar Creek, one of the, the shifts that needs to take place is... Um, they have a beautiful family feel. I went to a potluck they had up there yesterday after the service, and uh, they have just a really beautiful family feel. They need to combine that with um, an outward-facing posture. So it's, it's great to have a family feel. Many people say that we have a family feel here on Sunday morning, but we have to have a family feel and be sensitive to to the neighbors that aren't a part of the family yet. And right. so we have to have some outward facing. And, and they've done that in the past with great success. And in the most recent decade, they've struggled to get that done. So some outward facing. It's yeah. good. Yeah. You want to read the second question? Yeah. I was both encouraged and discouraged 
by the story of Hudson Taylor. I just don't understand why Christians are so hard on one another. I hope that there are examples of ways that GEBC and PCC are being patient with those with whom we disagree. Are there examples like that? This <laughs> listener asks. Are there examples of us being patient with each other? It's interesting that they, they picked that piece out of the, well, I, the Hudson Taylor story. Well, listening, I didn't to, emphasize that as much. but I did. I, it was a mainstay of kind of the takeaway of the Hudson Taylor story is how much persecution he came under by Christians yeah. for, for adapting, adopting the Chinese lifestyle. Yeah. And so I put greater emphasis on that. You know, um, we, yes, I, I think there are stories uh, of us being patient with one another. Um, we, um, we have passion around certain doctrinal issues here at Glow and Bible Church, but there are plenty of people in attendance who don't uh, embrace all our doctrinal issues. Um, for example, um, we celebrate communion once a month here. Uh, that's a habit more than a, a doctrinal or philosophical issue. We could celebrate it weekly, um, uh, semi-annually um churches vary in that uh, one of the, the the questions Poplar creek had for us was will you make us or will you ask us to stop celebrating it weekly and we said no there's no reason to do that that's something y'all like to do and so there's some patience there in in the practical just um how we do church um so I, i'll give i'll be more vulnerable. Okay. Here we go. I'm ready for Buckle it. Buckle up. So Jim Boynton shared in communion yesterday. And um, someone texted in a question on, um, that felt a lot like preaching. Do you let women preach? And um, I said, well, uh, no, we hold the, the preaching ministry separate from men here. Um, but believe that Paul said, taught that women could prophesy and uh, that not all teaching is, is, of, is the same. And so in 1 Corinthians, we're told that each one should come to the gathering of God's people with something to teach, with something that's edifying. And, um, and so that's what we see Jen having brought yesterday. So my point is we're a complementarian church. The elder board is made up, is held separate for men. Um, I am uh, the teaching elder, so to speak, and so the pulpit ministry of Glen Bible Church is held separate for men, but that doesn't mean that we won't ever have women in the pulpit. And, and so there, this particular brother in Christ, uh, I believe, feels like that um, that was more egalitarian in its application, uh, if you're familiar with the terms. So... We're a complementarian church, and he felt like that, that that was too much of a teaching spot for a woman. And so my point is we have people at Glenn Bible Church that are more conservative on women's roles in ministry, and we have women at Glenn Bible Church who are less, um, less conservative, uh, more egalitarian is the theological term. Uh, but we, do, we have a doctrinal position that's um, clearly stated. We have a position paper on it. And... 
Um, we, we try to be really patient with each other, realizing that there'll be people on both sides of the equation and with different interpretations of what took place Sunday morning on the platform. Is that too, too deep? No. No. <laughs> Can I say something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, um, well, I was really moved by what Jen had to say. So I thought I'm, she did a great yeah, job. Yeah. And yeah. so I think, I think, um, you mentioning someone asking you about that to me, it just kind of exposes, um, what I think there are pros and cons to the both complementarian and the egalitarian theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Glenn Bible has to, this is, this is what the church does is it makes decisions on theology, right? After right. studying and lands on a position, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I would say one of the cons to a complementarian position mm-hmm. is that sometimes and I'm not saying this is what happened here, but sometimes it conditions us to think that women can't express Mm -hmm. their testimony of the spirit moving in their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what Jen did yesterday Mm -hmm. in a very vulnerable and transparent and bold Mm -hmm. way. And I think probably a lot of people were moved by what she had to say. And um, I know just personally that she took that role very seriously and Worked put a lot really of prayer it, yeah. into it. Yeah. And so, um, I just, it, it, it hurts my heart a little bit to think that someone would be, and I don't want to use the word distracted if this is not applicable to someone who, who mentioned that, but it does, it could be distracting for some to think, wait, she's a woman and she's up front and she's sharing scripture is this wrong? Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't, I just don't like that we would ever position someone to not be free to speak a testimony of the spirit moving in her life because it was, it was powerful and it was authentic and she wasn't exegeting scripture. Mm-hmm. She was, she was communicating her own testimony. And, um, I just, you know, I appreciate that you're, you're mentioning it to kind of give some clarity around that. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you a non-complementarian church because she shared a testimony through communion. It was well, actually- I actually think it makes us a fully complementarian church. Mm. Be- the gifts of the spirit are clearly given, including teaching and leadership to women. And Paul says that women can prophesy. Prophecy has a range of meaning being, it can be an ecstatic utterance, meaning in the moment, speaking something that God has uh, impressed upon you. It can also be a planned talk like what Jen Boynton gave. Yeah. And so, um, I have a really strong conviction that to be a fully complementarian church, we want to be a church that looks for opportunities to platform women and let their gifts shine and let them fulfill their calling and there's a verse in Philippians chapter four that's fairly familiar, but we usually read these verses uh, in the in the setting where we're discussing prayer. But I I want to read them in a kind of a different way here. It's Philippians four four. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Then he goes on to say, famously, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It's a well-known verse that we all take, many take comfort in regarding prayer and not wanting to be ruled by anxiety. I wonder if when we're not gentle with each other, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Um that anxiety is ruling in our lives. Yeah. If, if we can't be gentle with each other, 
on doctrinal disagreements, philosophical disagreements, um, then then we're missing out. And and it's important that we be gentle with each other. And so there's disagreement um, here at Glowing Bible Church to a degree over that. There there are folks that, um, you know, that are happy to be here but don't see eye to eye on that issue, and that's fine, mm-hmm. and that's, that's great. I, I do think that we need to work hard to address um, essentials and non-essentials yeah. when, we're, when we're discussing theology. And um, I know for me, in the Hudson-Taylor example, um, uh, maybe expose this in my own heart a little bit, is that sometimes if I'm finding that I'm disagreeing with somebody over an issue and I'm First of all, I'm trying to decide if it's essential or non-essential. I mean, that is kind of yeah. step one. Like, how big, how important is right, this? Right, how important is this? But a lot of times for me, it's this fear of we are veering from Scripture mm-hmm. or we're veering from God's heart. Um, and so I always just try to like use that as a measurement while holding Scripture and, and trying to discern and, and hear from the Spirit on, are we off on this? Or, or you know, like you look at Hudson Taylor and you think, he did, he sacrificed so much to reach this, this Chinese culture. And from the outside, he was criticized from other believers. I, I don't really, I mean, I don't know enough about his story to know why yeah. they were afraid he was going to walk away from his faith. Cause he was, well, they thought too that the, the clothes the and the dress and the ponytail were an embracing of the culture, which was uh, a wash in yeah. paganism. And so they said, you know, you want to separate yourself from the clothing mm-hmm. and the hairstyles. So to draw a clear distinction between you're not adopting their religion at any, there's no syncretism right. here at, at any level. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was fascinating. Last week I ran across some stories about how the organ was handled. Yeah. That in was the, in, during the Reformation analogy. period. I mean, we have people that would pay good money if we would put an organ at the you know in at Glowing Bible Church, that's they, radically conservative. Yes, it's it's <laughs> radically conservative. But there was a day where it was radically liberal and cutting edge to have an organ in the building. Yeah. Can, can I tell a funny story about that? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. So uh, years ago, I used to work for an organization that helped youth ministry with trips and curriculum and all this kind of stuff. We went to a conference, and at the conference, I didn't know this, but it was. Uh, a conference that was led by a denomination that doesn't use instruments in their church of Christ. In, yes, that's what it was yeah. in their um, in their worship services or in their youth ministry or anything. So instruments are like no, just voices. Yeah. And one of the one of our partner, really good friends, organization came. They had no idea of this fact either, <laughs> and their big prize giveaway was a new guitar. <laughs> <laughs> they had the guitar like out. <laughs> it's probably a pretty nice guitar and too. Was, no one like wanted Martin it. Guitar, like, no one wanted it. You had to put to sign your name so, and put it, and then they were going to draw for the guitar. At three the people end. in the drawing. <laughs> <laughs> three sinners. We laughed so hard. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. the point is, you know, still today there's let's be gentle and differences and let's be gentle with one another. Yeah. I do think Simone, you bring something interesting up. I. There are so many standing at the top of the slippery slope, mm-hmm. claiming others are sliding down. Mm-hmm. Well, and we all have our our pet issue, our passion points. Yeah, sure, yeah, but it's, 
better way to say it. Passion <laughs> point. Yeah, but where it's like if I, I want to. So, so we've, after we've tw- nailed it on this point. Like we know we're right and we're good, and they're okay. sliding over there. Yeah, but that's a different vibe. The vibe I'm getting is more of an accusatory vibe. Mm. Yeah. That you've given ground, that you don't oh, love Jesus, yeah. That, yeah. that your faith isn't real. When that enters in, um, I think we're, we're really careful. In, yeah, yeah. difficult territory. After 21 centuries of the church in existence, yeah. it, I think we can say God is caring for his people. Mm-hmm. There, I think we can say that God's going to see this through, he, through. He's going to, which is not to be permissive. I'm not saying that it doesn't matter our theology. If you know me, you know that I think theology matters and philosophy, how we implement our theology matters, how we go about the things that matter. Um, but we can relax. Mm. We can be at ease. We can let our gentleness be evident to all because God is at work. And when I'm missing it when I'm not getting it right. The Lord's been really good to the church to point that out yeah. and course correct. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I mean, your whole message could have been titled Slippery Slope yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so practical on one yeah. level, but I joked and said I left with more questions than answers because mm-hmm. if you really put every decision through that. The um, matrix. Yeah. <laughs> it can, I mean, I tend to get too legalistic Mm. in that in that vein thinking that nothing is wise like we should just sell all our possessions and you know give (laughs) this church and it it was interesting you um this isn't in our questions but it did come up in our small group yeah yeah sure uh, that um you had talked about how it, it has to do with disagreement um that you had somebody come up to you and say and and disagree with you because they said barnabas was right yeah so I made the case they're both right. Yeah, that there was no sin in yeah, this matter. And right. And case that they can each go there in good conscience, go yeah, their separate ways. It, it feels very American that someone had to win. And, yeah, that, had totally. to win. and that's fine with me, too. Yeah, and I... I, I, <laughs> I mean, was just interesting. You brought it up a few times. I was like, I thought we... Did you listen to first service or second? Do you know? Second. Oh. I thought I played it down in second more. <laughs> <laughs> you I brought I it up in, in second because he came and talked to you after first. That's true. So you you wouldn't have brought it up and yeah I maybe wondered a little bit of the application if your point was because when you use Hudson Taylor as an example were you saying that it's important to take your thoughts and decisions and go through this matrix because at the end of the day there is a right and a wrong yeah that's what and we were reflecting on what turns out Hudson Taylor must have I mean all the fruit that he came from his life would maybe indicate that he did something right. Yeah. And all the other Christians were wrong. <laughs> well, I've just always taken it as Barnabas and Paul. They were, and although Paul, this, I mean, I said in my sermon on Sunday, all the writing that follows is we follow Paul. We don't follow Barnabas. Yeah. So, which it, neither here nor there doesn't mean that Barnabas didn't have fruitful ministry. Or that mm-hmm. Paul got everything right. Yeah. Like yeah. If or that the Bible only portrays Paul as yeah, getting Or that Barnabas right. got it all wrong. Or right. that Bar- Barnabas got it all right. Right. Like, I yeah. I have always taken it as man these guys were in this unique situation a unique time a unique place unique calling for the first time ever and they split on ministry philosophy both went on to have fruitful ministry. Yep. So let's there's make no, sure there's no team Barnabas and no team Paul. 
that's fine that you have that opinion. <laughs> I, I, my main point was God is working despite the disagreement. Yeah. So that was my main point. Mm-hmm. I thought I made that point really well. <laughs> yes. God's working despite the disagreement. Uh, and then I shared, meant to be off the cuff, I think Paul got it right. And it was Gary Larson who said, yeah. no, I don't, I don't think so. You know, he, he believes Barnabas got it right, which who am I to disagree with Gary Larson? So, but that's, it's neither here nor there, really. That's what I'm saying. It, like, what, there was disagreement. They did part ways. To your point, if you watch your sermon, you made a lot of their disagreement. It's no small matter. Yeah. I mean, they, there was probably uh, a lot of escalated tension yeah. in this disagreement. It was a real disagreement to drive them apart. So, and God's good despite that. God is growing his church was my main point. So Yeah. You want to read the next one, John? Sure. Pastor Kelly. Yes? (laughs) Over the years, the Christian church has split into many denominations. Do you think that this was necessary due to key theological disagreements? Or does this reduce unity in the church and hinder the gospel mission? I talked about this just a little bit in my sermon of how the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas has been applied to the Christian faith. Right. And and some of it, I think, has been applied correctly. Some of it, I think, is a... Excuse-making. A, a misuse. Anytime we see the word disagreement, then we apply that to all disagreements. Right. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. we can be sharp with each other and part ways, and, you know, there's probably a misapplication to personal, all personal conflict and relationships, and probably a misapplication to all global or large church, you know, um, ministry efforts as well. Right. Like, yeah, it just occurred to me that the notion of describing the disagreement as sharp. Yeah. Means that there was, there was a barbed element. Oh yeah. It, it, it it probably one or both of them got stung Mm -hmm. by this disagreement. Their feelings were hurt. And sure. Um, I think the church should avoid that. We should work. Our gentleness should be evident to all. We should be kind and gentle with each other and disagree in a manner that doesn't leave barbs, doesn't wound each other. I do think that that's probably what took place here. Yeah. So uh, when when we come to denominationalism, I I want to say that agreement is better than disagreement. Ideally, there would be no denominations. But we (laughs) must live in reality. And our our reality is that we live outside the garden. There's there's not denominations are going to happen. There's going to be disagreement. We see through a glass darkly. Our understanding is veiled, which isn't to say we know nothing. It's just to say we don't know everything. And so there's going to be, there's going to be some disagreement. Remember, for the first 1,000 years of the church, there, was, there were no denominations. There was only the church. Today, there are many. And we wrongly, I think, assume that having denominations indicates that there's little agreement doctrinally. I think there is a lot of agreement doctrinally, and I think that we can focus on what we agree upon among denominations. And then we've already talked about this a little bit, draw a distinction between what's essential and non-essential. Mm-hmm. And we can, we can say that there's lots of unity among denominations. Mm-hmm. I, I love having instrumentation in worship. And can't imagine, you know, <laughs> although the harmonies in the Church of Christ are pretty stunning. Kids grow up knowing how to harmonize in music and read music. So, yeah. 
Are you pro-denomination? No, I think agreement or, is better than disagreement, but I, it's just a reality. Yeah. How about you? I think I've never really thought about this before. I, would, I think my quick thought was sometimes denominations to me symbolize diversity, and diversity is, can be, is beautiful. Yeah. And so yeah. I was thinking, I guess if you're only thinking about denominations in the essence of disagreeing on theology, I can see how that would be. That could or, lead yeah, to discord, but the idea of different philosophy. styles of yeah. worship, I think, could be is really cool. Yeah, well, I think some denominations are they they have risen out of um, wanting to unify versus wanting to differentiate. Like, I mean, that happens. Others are differentiating. We are no longer that. We are now this, right. Right. and because that one has gone astray yeah. or. Or, or that group has gone astray. But mm-hmm. I think of Church of the Res, which Church of the Resurrection, which is over in Wheaton. We share a lot of common doctrine with them. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything, but a lot. And uh, but you talk about a very different style of ministry. Yeah. Sure. Um, so we can. I was in a small group over there with some of their leadership for years and years and years. And it was great. Um, and and so, when they're an example of a group of churches that split from. The larger Episcopalian church right. over over doctrinal, yeah, yeah. or yeah, I mean sin issues, and yeah. s- they would say, and and yeah. we would probably we would agree with them that right. that the forming of the I think it's the North American diocese is was a good thing, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Now that I remember back on that small group, um, there was a pastor from uh, Willow Creek in the group, Church of the Raz, Glenn Bible Church, and Wheaton Bible Church. Yeah, cool, and it was a great. Because you could learn so much from each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. You Lots of agree doctrinal on everything. agreement. Yeah. Right. yeah. Stylistically very yeah. different. Yeah, that's a great example. It's interesting. A lot of folks ask. I mean, we don't get the question like every day or anything like that, but what denomination? Yeah. What denomination are you? What denomination? Are, we, are you the Bible denomination? Because <laughs> right. they see Wheaton Bible, Glen Allen Bible. Right. There's other yeah. Bible churches in... Yeah, so the Bible Church the movement area. is not a denomination. It's a movement out of the 1940s. And uh, so there's there's no even strong association. There used to be a, a stronger association. But it's, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say there's an association per se. In what no, you ex- there's not, nothing formal at right, all. Right, no. I mean. And so my kids have moved across the country at various spots. And, you know, they say, should I look for a Bible church? And I said, well, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> you know, Bible churches range uh, vastly in their in their style of ministry. So, yeah. yeah, but we are non-denominational, which is only to say that in our congregation, there are people f- with very varied denominational backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Question four. Yep. Let me to read it. Yep. It's, t- it's for you. <laughs> Hi, pastor Brady. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for today's sermon. It led me to look at the split between Paul and Barnabas in a new light. My prior thought, was that it was incredibly sad that these two dear friends and Christian brothers parted ways. Today it occurred to me that John Mark went home, got mentored by his faithful cousin Barnabas, studied under Peter in Jerusalem, and wrote a gospel. God's plan is perfect. Yeah, I love that. Uh, there's no real question here. Yeah, so where's I inclu- the question? No. <laughs> but I included it because they really like my sermon. <laughs> I included it because I, I think they make a great point that 
there's a sharp disagreement and a parting of ways, and God continues to work. John Mark goes on to bear lots of fruit, uh, writing the earliest gospel, uh, which everybody, you know, arguably was Peter's account of his time with Christ and his experiences with Christ. So John Mark was in Jerusalem with Peter and then uh, captured Peter's experiences and, and got him into the gospel. I, I think it, this is a spot-on commentary. It is, I would think, incredibly sad. But God does amazing things out of sad situations. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly sad that they parted ways um, and that there was a sharp disagreement and someone probably got hurt over it, but God, God was at work in it. And we see that all the time. Yeah. The, the church I grew up in was, had some real division after I left, um, um, or right around the time I left. It's Highland Baptist Church, and it's funny, it's in Waco, Texas, Highland Baptist is, and several uh, kids from this area are worshiping there. They go to Baylor, and then Highland Baptist is one of the churches in town that kind of draws Baylor students. Uh, so it's always fun for me to hear that kids are attending um, Highland Baptist. But uh, Antioch Church came out of Highland Baptist. Oh, and, cool. and Antioch is a national church planting movement um, in a pretty prolific and fruitful church yeah. planting movement. But it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, uh, when Antioch came out of Highland Baptist Church, I wouldn't say it was the best of circumstances. It was a difficult circumstance. Uh, there had been some scandal. The the pastor who baptized me, it was a church of a couple thousand when I was there. And uh, the the senior pastor got was mired in some sexual sin that came out. And then there was this break-off group, and they became Antioch. And so Highland's doing well today, mm-hmm. and Antioch is doing well, and super thankful for that. So yeah. it's another example. Yeah, I like the example you gave of the man you had disagreement with over 20 years ago and yeah. then you saw him and, and, it, and re- God I don't know good. what, I mean, reconciled. I don't know what you yes. said. Just, yeah. He apologized. That was a really, yeah. that was a sweet story. Yeah. I didn't share it later on. Um, he had a bad accident and I actually went and visited him in the hospital mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it was really good. It was good. That's a good work and it's unavoidable in pastoral ministry. It's unavoidable in leadership. <laughs> Whatever your leadership position, you're going to have people disagree and depart. But it's really sweet when there's um, a, a coming back together, a reconciliation if need be, a coming back together. It's, it's really sweet. God's good that way. Mm-hmm. Last question? Last one. I'll read it. In the example of Paul and Barnabas, they disagree and then are able to part ways. What are we to do when there's a disagreement between two people who can't part ways? And then parenthetically, they give some examples. Spouses, parents and kids, business partners. Specifically, if one party thinks something's permissible and the other thinks it unwise and they can't separate, what are they to do? The quandary. That's really Do we all know that this is... Anthony Halpin's question. Is it? Is it? <laughs> it totally is. I was like, should I be concerned? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good question. I read it to Sherry. She like, she said, wow, that's, that's hard. And I, I actually think that is the summary. That's hard. Yeah. It's not impossible, but it is hard. And there, 
there are some cross carry. There's a cross to be born in relationship. It's the yeah. let your gentleness be evident to all. I, I have a feeling you have something to say here. How would you answer your I, husband's question? It's so funny because I was like, "What are you talking about?" You get the like, public forum to. I I don't have. Any, <laughs> He's not here to defend himself. <laughs> I think we can all rest assured that it's not me he's referring to <laughs> because I couldn't come up with anything. I was like, what do what are we not agreeing on other than, you know, insignificant things? But, um, yeah, I, I think your answer is that it's hard is, a, you know, is, is obvious. And I also think it's just important to learn to live in the tension and we can strive for unity, but we can, I mean, I think about, I, I always bring it back to kids, but, I think about how I'm watching my teenagers specifically grow up and form their own thoughts. And as terrifying as it is, (laughs) because I so desire for them to follow my ways, um, they are becoming real people with real thoughts and making decisions and choices that are of them. And they're going to stumble and they're going to fall and they're going to make different choices than I would want for them and all of that. However, I will always be their mom. And I will love them unconditionally. And I am going to learn, whether I want to or not, to disagree with what thoughts they're making. And the example, again, of the Matrix was we talked about it as a family so often yesterday because we're perfect example for us is we're trying to decide if we buy a, a car for our daughter who's about to turn 16. And we went, we literally went through this matrix with her talking about it. And she was super annoyed. But the point is <laughs> that, um, she was already angry because the donuts have been changed. I know. Oh my gosh. She had a hard day yesterday. You know, <laughs> um, my point I'm trying to make is I think that we have got to learn how to live in community and unity and love with each other, even if we don't agree. And I'm, I'm saying that first in line thinking I'm watching it happen just with my own kids. I mean, they're making choices and, or I'm seeing their futures. They might have different theologies than I do. And it's not going to separate me from them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to be, I'm committed obviously as their mom and loving them unconditionally, even if I don't agree. Mm-hmm. And that's just the most personal example I can think of. I know it's this a, plays out in other ways, but it's great to offer the most personal example. I think you're spot on. Absolutely. I'll, promote the chosen here one more time the chosen is a mini series that you download the app you can watch it it's the the life it's the ministry of christ they're highlighting and it's a it's a terrific depiction of the life of christ in season three jesus sends the disciples out and it's in season three right now uh, again just look for the chosen app in the app store and you can you can watch the episodes but he's jesus is sending out the disciples on short-term missions and he pairs them up and uh, he pairs Simon the Zealot with Matthew the tax collector. Well, you talk about needing to get along and be patient and kind with each other. Simon the Zealot was committed to the overthrow of the Ro- Roman government by violence. Matthew the tax collector had sold out to the Roman government. He was making his living uh, by partnering with the Roman government and sticking it to the Jewish people. So those two men would have had a lot to get over in working together. But, and, and we don't know from the biblical account if that's actually how Jesus paired them, but I do know enough about the church to see that that happens all the time in real life where we have to get along with each other and be patient and kind with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll just, off the top of my head, some things that Sherry and I do it is, um, community care. 
So when you're in a relationship that's hard to navigate and you're being stretched, it's you need some folks to help you carry that burden. Share that burden with somebody. You need good friends who who can help you continue on um, as you're patient and kind with those who are really testing you and difficult for you and with whom you're disagreeing. You may need counseling. You may meet, you may need more than simply friends. You you may need expert advice and. Uh, Sherry and I have issues in our lives where we had to go get counseling. We needed expert advice. We, there, there are topics on which Sherry and I have read no fewer than 12 books. Mm. I mean, very specific topics where we did a deep dive to try and understand better uh, pe- the perspective of people we love on a difficult issue. So we need friendships. We need expertise. And then at some point we need to pick our cross up and and carry it good word that's good cool that's real good good stuff today guys yeah who needs matt <laughs> you i don't know do you matt. over you there need matt. <laughs> <laughs> badly <laughs> please come back <laughs> all right that's all the questions we have for today but if you have any further questions comments or concerns don't hesitate Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level.